2015, I set up a company called Perfect Cartel, a creative agency in London specializing in luxury event design, production, and brand experience. Throughout my career, I have been lucky enough to design the most incredible parties. From the likes of Sir Elton John and Madonna, from the Brits, the BAFTAs and London Fashion Week, from the refined design of Chanel to the boundary-pushing Fenty Beauty, from Soho House to Blenheim Palace and back again to Berghain, I've seen it all and it has been a blast. Over the next 10 episodes, I'm going to be chatting to guests who have contributed to some of the world's biggest parties, who have been to some of the most memorable events, and together we will relive what it was like to be there. I'm Claire Berry, and this is The Greatest Party in the World. So this is the first in the series of The Greatest Party in the World, and there is only one person that I can think of to kick us off, and that is DJ Fat Tony. Thank you so much. I'm honoured. I'm honoured I'm on the first one. Thank you so much for inviting me. (laughs) Listen, I think anyone listening to this will know exactly who you are. One of the most recognisable DJs on the London party scene. London? You have, on the world, world party scene. (laughs) You have that chameleon quality that crosses the celebrity and brand parties with your Mm. own hugely successful club. Recently socially distant nights, a prolific partier with some of the most well-known people, and after over a decade of being sober, you're a leading and engaged voice of the sobriety scene. I try to be, yeah. Then there is your hugely popular Instagram account. Hugely hugely popular. And keeping all of our spirits uh, raised in lockdown. And I have to say I was an early adopter too, so I'm quite proud of that. Because how many followers have you got now? It goes up by about a thousand, like every couple of days another thousand. It's just, it's it's a weird one. Because it's kind of like I was obsessed by how many followers I used to have. Now I'm not really obsessed by it anymore. I'm kind of like, okay. And then I look and I'm like, oh, wow. um, Yeah, I'm very, I'm I'm honoured that so many people follow me. It's just an offshoot offshoot of of my humour. Yeah. Because I find, you know, we were in such, even before lockdown and everything else that went on, we live in such troubled worlds. Yeah. And I kind of just think that to conquer that trouble and to overcome that trouble, you have to find the humour in that trouble. And to find the humour, you have to understand it. But, you know, so I, I post things about a lot of people wouldn't normally post because they think it's it's not offensive. They just think, they oh, how can you find humour in that? Yeah, but also I have to ask, Trisha. <laughs> Trisha Goddard. <laughs> now, you know, it's kind of like we've become like the, the new Cannon and Ball. Oh, I tell you what, <laughs> you duo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's something really magical about that woman. She's They've done a Piers Morgan's Life Story on her and they invited me on. And it was really funny. I went to do, do it and they were like, so when did you first meet Trisha? Uh, how long? How many years? You know, I said last year, and they're like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah." And they were like, "But what about?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Uh, and they were like asking me all these questions, and I was like, "Well, I kind of only met her once, and it was just like so random." That I was on doing Piers Morgan's life stories, but I know so much about her, yeah, because. Uh, you know, uh, she is a gay icon. She's an icon, full stop. She does not get the respect that she deserves in the sense of when I was a kid growing up or, you know, I'm probably the same age as her, but, you know, in my head, I'm still a kid. So watching Trisha on TV, she brought those subjects that people would not bring to the table. Right. She brought LGBTQI plus subjects, uh, situations to the table and, and, just, and, and made a real discussion of it. She was like the 
first one to ever do that on on daytime TV. And I kind of just think she, you know, she needs a pat on the back for that. Yeah. And, but you know, when she started following me and started commenting on everything, I was just like, <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, but the thing is, I've grown to love her. Yeah. And then I met her at night. I was in New York, and she messaged me. She said, "Are you in New York?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she was like, "Do you want to do lunch?" And I was like, "Yeah." How so cool. I met her in Bryant Park, and of course, you know. Growing up the way I grew up, watching both selector, I come straight out with the both selector stuff <laughs> without thinking, you know, like, you know, and I was like, here we go, like across Bryant Park, <laughs> Trisha and and all this stuff. And then it's like, as I got to know, she started to tell me how offensive it was to her oh. and how it destroyed her life. Oh, God. But, you know, I love her. Yeah, it's, it's, she's brilliant. Right. I've got a whole page of questions here, Tony. So I'm going to start with you working on the door at the Lyceum. And it was obviously a night run by Steve Strange and Rusty Egan. Were you a bedroom DJ at the time? Never. Never been a bedroom DJ. So for me, uh, I was all about the party. I wasn't all about making the party. No. Although I, when I walked in the room, I thought I made the party. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That, that kind of ego, the artistical place that my head was as a 16-year-old as a kid yeah. going out in London. I was probably one of the most... Uh, in your face, obnoxious little kids. Uh, you know, we come from, I come from an era where there was no social media. So in order to be heard, you needed a platform and you needed to do something. So, you know, uh, the louder I was, the more and the more precocious I was and the more, you know, I'd walk into a room and make 10 people cry. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because that's, you know, my insecurities. Well, I was such so, an insecurity kid. I was a damaged child. I, I, I allowed no one ever to get near me. So the more loud I was, the more further you stayed away. So what, I remember Steve Strange and Rusty Egan were going to open this new club called The Playground at the Lyceum. And they told this woman called Carol, who was their PR, she said, oh, they're opening a club. And I was like, all right. So I went up to Rusty and I said, you need to uh, watch out because I'm opening a club the same night. <laughs> I was 16, like, you know what I mean? Like, what, the, who cares? And he was like, you can't, oh, don't do that. Why don't you work on our door? So I started working on the door and every week I would say to Rusty, for no reason whatsoever, apart from the fact that I could say it, everyone thinks the music's rubbish, they're all leaving. <laughs> no one was leaving. I just literally would say it every week, everyone's complaining about your music. Oh. And he, he, was, he was like, well, if you think you can do better, why don't you do it? And that was it. The next week, I tried in with four records, and that were you nervous? No, no, I wasn't. I kind of just had the you know the yeah. I kind of just thought, well, you know, I'll show him. We, literally, I played four like both the B, the B side and the A side of all four records, and that was my first set. Amazing. And then a week later, I had a residency at the Wag on a Tuesday night. We uh, uh, we started our own night called Total Fashion Victim, and. Then from there, the next minute, I was DJing in New York at the Palladium. It was like... Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, you know, Ian Schrager and Steve Rebella, obviously, just... Love. What icons. You know, I mean, for me... It was all about London. It wasn't about New York. Right. And, you know, and I'd heard about the mythical Studio 54 and everything that preceded it. Um and I kind of just wasn't blown away by it. No, do you know what I mean? No. no, not really. The club itself was like a football pitch. Oh, God. Yeah, you know, huge. It, it was this disused cinema on 14th. And you went in through this like old corrugated iron, smashed up old cinema into this 
palatial white corridor with with festooned white fabric like 100 foot high all lit up beautifully and then you went into an auditorium which was so big it was like six london palladiums put together just that main room and they'd built like this uh LED at the time, it was like a, a cage. And then Studio 54 would come down from the ceiling into the oh middle of the dance God. floor. Uh, so you could dance inside Studio 54 and it would go back up again. That's insane. Uh, and it had like six different little clubs within that club. That's it was insane. insane. So that was, you know, and then at that time, New York was an incredible space to be in. It was like you had area, you had all the tunnel, you had the same, you had all these amazing nightclubs that were just put London to shame because we had like Wardour Street and Dean Street and <laughs> kind of that was it do you get what I mean and the joiners and uh, yeah you know <laughs> it, we, yeah literally it was like you know, a lock-in at the joiners yeah <laughs> Um, and you also took up a residency in Fred's, which again, for those that yeah. don't know, is probably described as maybe one of the first kind of modern private members clubs. Yes, it was. It used to be a brothel and they turned it into a private members club and it was three floors. It was tiny, absolutely tiny. One bar corridor, a little dance floor downstairs and a restaurant upstairs. Uh but it was the place to be. Yeah. It was yeah. the place to be. And yeah, I, I, they took me on as resident, I remember. And uh, I ran up a bar bill of like something like 13K. <laughs> and I then ended up having to work there for work nothing. Work off. Oh, no way. Yeah, I worked, here for no, I worked there for nothing. So How long kind of, did it take you to pay Oh, no, I mean, it, it, the bill went, carried on going up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There was no stopping me. I no. just was like, it was like a token gift of me. Oh, oh I'll DJ on Fridays for nothing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was insane. Oh, but, you God. know, Fred's really was are a hub of creativity. I mean, that's the first place I met Kate. It's the first place I met loads of my friends because everybody wanted to go to Fred's. Yeah. And it was a really hard place to get into. Okay. Everyone goes on about the Groucho and all these other members clubs as being like, you know, the dens of iniquity. This really was <laughs> the first one of those of that kind. How did your friendship with um, Boy George come about? Oh, my friendship with Boy George. Uh, I met George in the King's Road. Uh, I was working in the Great Gear Market, which was like an indoor market. Gear uh, Market? Great Gear. Yeah, so it was called the Great Gear Market. Ah, okay. Like a real 70s word. Um and it basically was an indoor market with stores. And Meg Matthews, I met her there. She worked there. She was at the top. I worked on a closed store behind the cage. Rusty Egan had his record shop in there. There was Carn and Bell. There was like so many like, little hubs of like creativity. And George and everyone at that point in time would come up and down the King's Road on a Saturday afternoon. Sadly, uh, I say this all the time, but you know, uh, it was King's Road was like Facebook. So it was a people would go to King's Road, walk up and down King's Road to be seen. seen yeah, and see who was there. And, yes. You know, like you really put an effort in yeah. if you were going. You were, yeah, you know. that was it. And, you know, so you did all the photographers would be there hanging out, waiting to... So that was the place to go and get seen and be discovered. So that George would come up and down the King's Road every Saturday, walking up and down, pretending to shop. And he came in to the Great Gear Market. And I think the first thing I ever said to him uh, was, who does your hair? It's shit. And then I, I said to him, <laughs> They're not dreadlocks, they're shitlocks. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> that was kind of it. And that was it. We've become friends ever since. Oh, and he must oh. have found you funny. Of course. I mean, he still does. I mean, the majority of funny things that ever come out of his mouth have come from my mouth in the first place anyway. And it's really weird. I get in cabs and cab drivers go, you know, you sound like Boy George. I'm like, no, he sounds like, like me. me. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's the other way around. But no, yeah. I mean, George is, George is an amazing person. He really is. Like, he's a real friend. Yeah. 
you played at Harry and Megan's wedding. Uh, that, yeah, well, we're not allowed to talk about that. Oh, you're not. I signed, uh, you know, you sign oh, NDAs. Yeah, of course, of I mean, course. we could talk. You know, I, I've, I've said people. It's quite not common knowledge that I did it, but I can't talk about. The actual night. No. Do do they know how to party, though, the, the royals? I think, you know, uh, anyone that books me to DJ knows they're going to get a good party. There you go. Great uh, answer. Uh, yeah. Then what is the best party you've ever been to? I always say, when anyone ever asks what's the best club or the best party I've ever been to, I always say it's never happened yet. Wow, good. Because, you know, that's happened. It was a great party. It was a brilliant party. But you know what? There's always something, I hope, something better and something's going to come along that's going to be so mind-blowing. Yeah. Is there anywhere that you haven't DJed that you'd really like to? Um... Not really. No, you don't. You know what it is? It's like I, I, I've been so many places and so in, in the last fourteen years of being sober. But prior to that, I worked for for nearly everyone that you know that were on anyone else's bucket list. I, I work with. Yeah. And since getting sober and getting my life back in order and being the person I am today, I've worked for so many more incredible people. Yeah. You know, I think recently the most amazing one was probably. Last year, doing Donatella, Versace in oh, that wow. house. Yeah. So no, tell um, us about that. Can you t- can you tell? Yeah, of course. Gorgeous I, that was. That was you know I I because I I do in the house DJing for Vogue. So every time there's a Vogue party for Edward, I always do Vogue. So uh, Edward Donatella was throwing a birthday party for Edward, and she she said, "Oh, I want Tony to come and DJ." So I went over, and I had never met never met her before. You know, I met so many people that are around her, but never met Donatella. And I was in her house um, in the villa, and um, I was standing there rummaging through drawers, in fact, <laughs> well, cause that, that, before the party side. And uh, uh, she came in, and they were like, Fatoni Donatella Visace. And I was like, oh, hi. And she went, I'm so honoured to have you in my house. And I said, are you effing mental <laughs> and she was like why well, isn't it Are you effing mental I said it's the other way round I'm so honest to be no 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 <laughs> and the quality of that conversation was the fact that she made me feel so special oh that's it wasn't like okay I'm Donatella Versace blah 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 she made me feel so wanted and so you know which is which is a real talent yeah it's a real talent and, I, and that's why she is who she is yeah I hear such great things about because, her because you know it was there was no like okay you're here to work it was like I was on the same level yeah and the, and the, the brilliant thing was that as the night went on um, I was DJing and uh, years ago when I used to do trade and uh, I used to turn the music off and say no K no play and make people bring me ketamine and, and then I'd play the music and I come, she, Donatella comes over with, who was she with? Anyway, uh, she came over, they came over to me and, uh, they were like, oh my God, we love your Instagram. And I was like, I can't believe you follow me on Instagram. She was like, follow you, darling. No K, no play. And high fives me and walks off. And I was just like, hang on. Did Donatella just say to me, no K, no play? Oh my God. And I said to Edward, how does Donatella know that? He went, she knows everything about you. She's obsessed. I mean, since then I've worked for him about 10 times, but you know, she's like, yeah, the first one was just like mind blowing. What a legend. Yeah, it really was. You've been sober for over a decade. How do you navigate parties now? Or is it just a different mindset? No, what it is for me now, it's not about, uh, you know, I, the realisation that I'm not the party is is the big one. Mm -hmm. So I can go to, uh, you know, I 
go to work, I do my job and I leave. If yeah. I have to go to something social, I know when to leave. Yeah. I don't drag anything out. There's a real quality to what I do now in the sense that I go, I, I say hi, I have fun, I leave. Yeah. I don't have to be the last one there. I don't have to be the one that's thinking, what have you got in your pocket I can have? Yeah. Let's carry this on. Where are we going next? You know, I spent a lifetime of, of wanting to move somewhere else. Yeah. So I would go to a party and go, where are we going next? What's next? What's next? Where are we all going next? And now it's about being in the moment. Yeah. So the, the, the magical thing about it is I go, I'm in the moment, I have a really amazing time and I leave. Yeah. You know, and, and that's recovery for me. That really is. And I don't have to be around people that are repeating themselves constantly, uh, drunk what, you, or, you want, like, you know, unless you're in the same, you know, headspace, it's yeah, very, yeah. very tedious. But I don't judge, you know. No, I, it's of One thing I don't do is judge because I find it funny. Yeah. I honestly, I find it funny. And when I don't find it funny, that's the time to go home. Yeah, yeah. That's the time to say, see you later, I'll have fun, you lot, <laughs> like, I'm off. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Because judging them, what's, what am I to judge? I'm no one to judge. I've, I've been in worse, probably everyone in that party, I was probably worse than all of them put together. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. Yeah. Your last gig, though, before lockdown was Brooklyn Beckham's 21st. Oh, Brooklyn's, yeah. How was that? It was amazing. You know, I love working with those guys. Yeah. I love working with that family because they are a family. Yeah. It's not a business, as people think it is. They're a family. Yeah. And, and you know, those kids have impeccable manners. Mm-hmm. Uh, every one of them. Yeah. Every one of them. And I love Brooklyn. I really do. He's such a laugh. And he's so, you know, he's just, a, they're, they're a real pleasure to be around. And, and that his birthday party was great fun. It yeah. really was. Yeah. And I mean, I've done some real brattish parties over the years for some brattish people. Yeah. And the, the Working with them and doing that his birthday party was a real honour. It was a real, real fun. Yeah, because they treat you on the same level that you should be treated on. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. great. Do you think uh, you'll do Zoom gigs? Uh, it's really hard for me to DJ on Zoom because my, my job is to read a crowd and to get that energy. Yeah. And DJing in my garden, which I did for it the last lockdown. It was a beautiful garden, can yeah. I say. <laughs> Who looks after? Do you look after yeah, that? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Beautiful. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's a different vibe trying to get energy from um, six Palm trees in New York. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and you got like everyone, like the, the production team will sit in there reading the paper while I'm DJ. It doesn't really. It's not, not really the same. No, not really. Not really the same but you know what? It's 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 um. Those, some of those sets I did in lockdown, one of them's had over a million and a half views. I mean, that's... I mean, what the hell's that I, about? That's, wha- that's just, you know, yeah, wow, amazing. And, and the film that we did, you know, the Mixmag documentary, yeah, yeah. that's had over five and a half million views now. Wow. Oh, you know, we started a, a, a programme during lockdown called The, uh, the Recovery because people... Mental health is through the roof, and alcoholism, and mm. and you know uh, addiction levels went through the roof, and s- domestic abuse, and all the stuff that we all shy away from, and we think that doesn't exist, went through the roof, and so we started a program called the Recovery to show that that there is there is light at the end of the tunnel, and it does get dark. It, our worlds get really small, yeah, yeah, and, and you know what? You need to let people know that that world will get bigger again, and that there are people in the same boat as them. Yeah, tell me about your book. So uh, the what's book, it called? The book is it's, the name changes every week. <laughs> uh, it, it was going to be uh, I don't I don't I don't do requests. Uh, uh, but then I thought that sounded a little bit too like a Radio One like. 
you know, like a- Pat Sharp or something <laughs> like that. Uh, it was going to be, it was going to be just plain and simple, the C word. Yeah. Which we won't say on here. Oh, but yeah, on. it was just no. going to be that. Uh, but we're not going to call it that either because publishers don't like Would that. Would you have put the whole word or like yes. C with it? Oh, no, the whole word. <laughs> it was, yeah, was no. going to be total C, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I think at the moment the working tells no more drama. Cool. Because it was a song that I used to listen to before where I, when I would, all I ever thought about was my own funeral. That's all I ever thought about was that Mary J. Drama, uh, Mary J. Blige track, No More Drama. So I, I think No More Drama is a good, a good na- a name for the book because I kind of want to be drama free to a certain extent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I was more addicted to drama than I ever was drugs. Right. What is the key to a great party? The key to a great party is great people. Yeah. Great music. It's all about the music. Yeah. It is all about the music. You know, you can go somewhere and you could be in a room with 50 of your best friends and the music's bad. You want to leave. Yeah. You know, it's all about the music. It's all about uh, someone who understands the crowd, someone who reads that crowd, like me. You liked it. Uh, but, you know, so, someone that knows what they're doing. Uh, and I kind of just think, you know, it's the right level. It's, the, it, 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 it's a recipe. It's like a cake. Having a party is like making a cake. You need to put the right amount of eggs. You need to put the right amount of flour. So it's all about balance. Yeah. And, you know, and just remember, it's not all about you. Yeah. If you're throwing a party, it's about everybody that's coming. 100%. Do you know what I mean? If you throw a party with, all right, I like this music. I want this. I like this food. Who are you entertaining? Yeah, Yourself, exa- right? Or oh, you could do that at home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just think, you know, if however lockdown goes on for whatever the situation, have a party at home. Yeah. You don't need to go out to listen to music. I keep saying this to people. Yeah. Go home. If you've had a bad day, don't reach for the bottle. Reach for, reach for the music. Turn the music on. Go take those tunes, those tunes that you love and have the, you know, music has the ability and the power to move you to places that no alcohol or drug can ever take you. Yeah. You know, if you're going to do drugs, make sure it's music. Music's the best drug in the world. When I grew up, you know, I'd wake up on a Sunday, my mum and dad would be playing music all day Sunday. And it was just like such a happy place to be. Yeah. You know, and it's always been that way. You know, if I'm feeling sad, I put on, you know, tunes that I know are going to make me feel worse. But, you know, because that... (laughs) Because it has that ability. It has has that ability, ability, yeah. And, and, you know, it's all it takes is one track and you're like, oh, my God, I haven't heard this for ages. And it will lift you. Yeah. Yeah. It will take you. And, you know, however dark and and sad you may be feeling or your life's just got really small, put on some tracks and it will open up. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. Quick fire round, Tony. Let's do it. Most annoying request. Uh, or just request in general. Uh, just, just, <laughs> the most annoying request is like, have you got any house music when you're playing house? Oh. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, go away. It's like, oh, you know, you're playing house music. Have you got any R&B? It's like, shh, shh, Please. Listen, just go away. I, I've literally, people have passed me their phones with stuff written on it and I've taken their phone and thrown it across the room. I literally, I don't do requests and that's, I never have done. No, yeah. I love it. Rarest record you own? Ooh, probably one of my own. No one ever bought it. <laughs> In the 80s, when I did a group called Pierce Child. I mean, I was trying to find one, a copy of it. Really? Yeah, we did two tracks. You can buy it. One of the tracks is everywhere, but the, the other one you can't get anywhere. How many were pressed, do you know? I don't know. Jazz, I was signed to Big Life Records, and I remember having a big fallout of them, so probably not that many. But uh, Has anyone I, ever said they've got it? Yeah, loads of people, oh, and really? I offered to buy it off them, and they were like, no. Oh, really? Yeah. What famous club night would you like to resurrect? 
Uh, oh, it definitely probably would either be trade, uh, just for the for for one night. For let's one say. night, yeah. Uh, or taboo. Yeah. Taboo for the two weeks that it was good. Uh, what's the most unusual thing you've seen in the club? Can we say it on the <laughs> yeah, end? Uh, literally. Um, <laughs> Uh, I've seen everything in clubs literally <laughs> everything in clubs like people shoot, shooting goldfish out of their bum holes no. you know it just depends I've been to a lot of clubs yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've yeah. a lot of clubs in a lot of places <laughs> nothing surprises me no Best non-alcoholic drink. Oh, now uh, there's a brand called Liars, and they make non-alcoholic cocktail like spirits. Yeah, everything from amaretti right the way through to absinthe, all non-alcoholic. Uh, beautiful bottles, beautiful stuff. Uh, that and I and also I I, I am a brand ambassador for a drink called Energy, ah. which is a non. It's 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 like a. Uh, a, a, an energising tonic but it's got no caffeine in it oh, and it, cool. it's amazing who's the first person you call when you want to go out uh, I used to be my dealer who's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a cab driver <laughs> like, a, a black taxi that's the first person I call if I want to go out do you know what I mean I'll just meet everyone there I don't I'm kind of like over that going do out do you entertain at home yeah in the garden we do it all summer yeah nice barbecue yeah we, we my, my partner David's a really good cook. Nice. So we kind of have big dinner parties and stuff like that. But you know, I used to really thought, oh god, that sounds boring, but it isn't because it's what partying is my is my is my career. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. So you know, so I I really like to just the calm and peace of it all. But if I'm going out out, you know, there's so many people I would ring. Carl Devolve, he's, <laughs> he's always a good one. Carl's always a good one to be out with. Thank you so much. Oh, it's no, been thank really you. lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for having me, really, seriously. And it's, a, it's an, always an honour. I always get asked to do these things and I always say kind of like, oh, no, I'm right. Got something else on that day, but I was looking forward to this oh, one. Oh, thank you, Tony. Good Keep on are. dancing, guys. Keep on dancing. <laughs> the Greatest Party in the World is produced by Curious Mole Productions and it was recorded at the Standard Hotel in London. Hotel in London.